0: Hey and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen.
1: The future is bright. There's nothing to fear. Let me say it one more time. The future is bright. There's nothing to fear. No matter how much chaos we live in, but this is a promise And I'm excited, I'm overwhelmed, and I'm a little nervous about today. And by just your response in worship this morning, it appears to me that some of you have read ahead of where we're gonna be looking at this week. And by the crickets in the room, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe you just like the song. Um, But anyway, you know, if you're anything like me, Anytime someone sends you a text message or calls you on the phone and they say, hey, I wanna schedule a meeting, or I would like to sit and talk, how many of you like to know kind of what that meeting's about? We don't like to go anything into anything blinded. If you could just give me a heads up so I could be prepared, so I can know the way that my mind needs to be wired before we enter into this meeting. You know, there's a lot of things that we we wanna know before going into the meeting, but the reality is, is the only reason that we want just a hint of what the meeting is gonna be about is just to give us a little peace going into it. Just to give us a little bit of peace before we go into it, or if we're all real honest and transparent this morning, it's because we all love to kind of be in charge a little bit, right? We don't wanna get blindsided. We don't wanna be um, hit in the back of the head by nothing we know that was coming, But the reality is, is once that meeting is put on the schedule, once that meeting is put on the calendar, there's still a lot of unknowns. We can have an idea, but we'll never truly know what the meeting is going to look like of what all the meeting will entail until we've experienced the meeting and the meeting has come. And so no matter how much we want to know, the reality is, is we'll never know everything until we experience that meeting. Today, we're gonna be looking at a meeting. Today, we're gonna talk about a meeting. But the sad part is, is the meeting that we're gonna talk about has even caused some division in the church. It's caused conflict in the church because people see it differently. People read it differently. People interpret it differently. But what I wanna make sure that we do today is... It's not get stuck on the details. Yes, the Bible speaks to a lot of the details. Yes, we're gonna look at some of the details, but the reality is, it's just like a meeting that we set here on this earth. I don't believe that we will fully understand and comprehend what this meeting is gonna look like until we experience it. And truthfully, Paul's gonna talk a lot about it today, but I don't believe the human mind can even fathom what this meeting is gonna look like. While Paul was 100% man, yes, we know he was led by the Spirit of God, but I believe this meeting that the Lord showed him, the Lord revealed to him, I don't know that Paul even had the ability to put it into words where the human mind could understand how marvelous this meeting that we're gonna talk about today is. And in light of that meeting, I want you to know that I've been praying for many of you today because, look, the last few weeks have been tough. The last few weeks of how to live a sanctified life have been convicting, have been difficult. But today, what my hope and prayer has been for you is that you leave here today full of hope. That you leave here today just saturated with the promises of God, knowing that what we just saying, that you don't have to fear anything. You don't have to fear anything because of this meeting that we're gonna talk about. I want you to go ahead and flip to 1 Thessalonians chapter four, which is where we're gonna be today. We're gonna close out chapter four um, this morning. But the meeting is, is basically defined right here in verse 17 of chapter four. I'm gonna read it before we read the entire passage. But in verse 17, it says, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we shall always be with the Lord." This is the meeting. This is the meeting that we are promised according to scripture. This meeting is going to happen. Now we may not know all of the details, but we know for a fact, because we believe in the validity of God's word that this meeting is coming. And for us as the church, for believers, This is the most glorious day that we could ever imagine. And when you imagine it, it's gonna be even better because I don't think the human mind can fathom or comprehend what this meeting is gonna look like. And so we're gonna talk about this meeting today, but first, before we look into some of the the details and maybe some of the order of the events in which it should take place or how it's gonna play out, I want us to look at why Paul is writing about this meeting. Why it is so important that Paul is talking about this meeting. Because here again, when you read this passage, according to where we've been the last two weeks, you see again such a sharp turn of events. He's talked about living a sanctified life and he talks about the way that we do that is we abstain from sexual immorality, we control our own bodies. Then last week he took a sharp turn and says, but you love each other like family, But now this week he's gonna point everything to the second coming of Christ. And so we see again a shift of gears and we wonder why maybe. But what we're gonna see is we're gonna understand the why behind him writing this particular section. So let's read all of verses 13 through 18. And then we're gonna bounce around. Look, you know me, I'm scattered everywhere. Okay, so we're not gonna, I wish I could say we're gonna walk through verse by verse, but we're gonna go to the bottom, we're gonna go to the top, we're gonna go to the middle, then we're gonna go back to the top. Okay, so we're gonna be all over this passage. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together and them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we shall always be with the Lord. Verse 18, therefore, comfort one another with these words. God, I pray that right now, um, God, it's gonna take something supernatural for you to communicate this through me because God, there's so much in this passage But God, I pray that the number one thing we leave here with today is not necessarily having different opinions in the order of events, but the reality is this meeting is coming. And because of that, God, we have hope today. Because of that, we have nothing to fear. So God, move in this place this morning and we ask this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We very quickly see in the very last verse the reason behind why Paul writes this to the church at Thessalonica. Verse 18, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so if nothing else happens today, I pray that you as a believer, that you as the church, that you leave here today comforted, that you leave here today with hope, And so that's our prayer. That's where we've been praying. But what Paul is also alluding to when he's telling the church to make sure they're comforting one another, this goes back to what he talked about last week. This is an example of loving each other like family. Because when when family is grieving, when family is discouraged, when family is frustrated, what is our responsibility to do for brothers and sisters? Is to comfort one another, to love on each other, to help each other through. And so we see that this is a testimony of how much love they have for one another and that Paul is telling them, look, you've gotta comfort one another with these words. And so if someone needs comforted, we would be led to believe that someone was in need of comfort, that they're distraught, that they're maybe discouraged, that they're maybe frustrated, or as he says, just a few verses earlier, he tells them not to grieve. Tells them not to grieve like those who have no hope. And so we see that there's individuals, there's members of this family, there's members of the family of God who for whatever reason are are grieving. And what we find in research and studying is there's actually two reasons that they're grieving. There's two reasons that these new believers are grieving. The first reason that they're grieving is for the very same reason that you and I grieve when we lose a loved one. How many have lost a loved one in the last two years or a friend or a family member? A lot. We've grieved. You've wept. You've been discouraged. You may have been frustrated. You've been brokenhearted because of the absence of someone that you care very deeply for. And yes, we grieve in their absence. We grieve because they're not here. We grieve because they're gone. We grieve because we hurt because that person that we care so deeply for is no longer in our presence. We can't pick up the phone anymore. We can't call them. So why do we think that the church at Thessalonica would be any different? They're seeing family, they're seeing loved ones die They're seeing family members go home to be with the Lord and yes, they're grieving. And so we see that the first reason they grieve is just because the absence of family member, the absence of people that we love. But what we're gonna see in the second reason that they grieve is another testimony of how selfless and how much these people loved one another. A lot of scholars, another reason that they give that they were grieving it's because Paul keeps speaking of the second coming, this marvelous, glorious day. And because they were so selfless, because they loved each other so much, they were grieving because in their mind, this second coming was only going to be for the people who were going to live to see it. And so they were grieving because the loved ones that had gone on to be with the Lord, they were afraid somewhere in their mind and their spiritual immaturity that these people weren't going to experience the most glorious day for the believer. And they were brokenhearted because of this. They were brokenhearted because people who had gone on with the Lord, they thought in their minds that they're gonna miss out, that they're not gonna get to experience the most glorious day for the church. Now, keep in mind, these new believers are being persecuted. And so I don't know about you, but I know I've laughed with people already this morning. How many of you are ready for the second coming of the Lord? Praise God, we all should be. Come get us. But you gotta understand how much these people love. They're in the middle of persecution. And let me tell you, we think we know persecution. We don't have a clue what persecution is about according to how they had to deal with it. And so when they hear of this second coming, they're living in this life of persecution. And so in their minds, if they're selfish, they're going, yeah, praise God, come on, hurry up. Rescue us from this mess. But because they loved each other so much, they grieved because they thought someone was going to miss out. They thought someone was going to miss out. So we see quickly how they were not self-absorbed. But the one thing that I I, want to, Make sure that we capitalize on before we go any further. You notice that Paul doesn't say that when someone dies, you can't grieve. Paul doesn't say stop grieving because we know that grieving is natural. Jesus was grieving at the loss of Lazarus. And so it's okay to hurt It's okay to miss someone. It's okay to be brokenhearted because they're not here. But what Paul specifically says is what we as the church cannot do is we can't grieve like those who have no hope. We can grieve. We can shed tears. We can miss. Nothing is wrong with that. But what we've gotta make sure is that we're not grieving like those who have no hope. And then he quickly lets them know where hope is found. He quickly lets them know what hope is all about. Look in verse 14. For if we, that pronoun we is talking about the family of God, the church, the believers, those who are married together because of the shed blood of Jesus. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Paul speaks to two separate groups of people, speaks about two separate groups of people. He's speaking to all those that are still here. He's speaking to all those that are reading and hearing this letter. And he's saying, look, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have hope. If you believe that Jesus is the son of God, you have hope. So let me tell you this morning, if you are here under the sound of my breath and you have placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you have hope. That's our hope. Our hope is not found in the news forecast. Our hope is not found in a newspaper article, but our hope is found in Christ and Christ alone. That's it. And so that is for us. That is for the people who are reading this letter. But the second group of people that he addresses is those who have gone on and who are asleep. But again, what does he say? In verse 14, he finishes it with, for him who those who have fallen asleep, where? In Jesus. Those who have fallen asleep, those who have have perished physically, They have fallen asleep in Christ. And so for us who are still here, our hope is found if we believe in Jesus Christ. But for those who are not here, they too have hope that is only found in Christ. So guess what the common denominator is? The only place for the dead and the living is where? In Christ. That's it. There is no other hope. This is a promise that we have from the word of God, that Christ is our only hope. And Jesus speaks to this. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father except through me. Jesus is saying, I am the only hope. That's it. Your hope is not found in your job. Your hope is not found in how good of an athlete your child is. Your hope is not found in how good your marriage is. Your hope is found in Christ alone. That's it. Now look, there's a lot of other teachings. There's a lot of other teachings out there that teach the opposite of that. That there's many other ways to get to heaven. There's many other ways to have a relationship with God. And we're not gonna go into all the details because the list is a mile and a half long. But according to what Jesus has said, he's the only way. But in light of that teaching that there is other ways, there's a lot of people in their mind that they would teach and talk about a God. There's no way that a God who loves would send people to hell. There's no way that if we talk about a God loving someone so much, there's no way that a God that loves like that would send people to hell. And so therefore that's why there's got to be multiple ways to get to it. But can I tell you this morning that God, listen to me, God sends no one to hell. God loves us enough He loves us more than we can imagine that he sent his only son to pay the price that you owed to pay the price that I owed. And this is what gives us access to have the relationship with God that was severed in the garden. It is through Christ and Christ alone. So God sends no one to hell. God gave us the way and that way was Jesus Christ. But we praise God have the free will to choose. Are we gonna trust him or are we not gonna trust him? God sends no one to hell. That's not even in the character of love if God would send someone to hell. I'm gonna create you so I can send you to hell. That's not the God that I serve. God loves us that he sent his son while we were yet sinners to die. This is what a loving father looks like. Jesus is our only hope. And I had in my mind that I was like gonna be able to sit up here and just kind of talk to you this morning. But I'm sorry. Maybe it's too much coffee or... Anyway, I'm sweating and everything else already. So there's two camps this morning. In this room right now, in this moment. You either have hope or you don't. And can I tell you this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ... If you are here under the sound of my voice and the authority of God's word, there is still time for you to have hope. If you place your faith in the finished work of what Jesus Christ has done for you, it's not too late. It's not too late if you're here. It's God's desire for you to come on, to repent of your sins and to trust in the finished work that he did on the cross for us. So there's hope for those who are here and there's even hope for those who are not here. But then Paul goes on to speak to those who are not here and it's interesting the, the phrases and the, the descriptions that he uses because he talks about those who are not here. He speaks of them as if they are, they're not dead, as, but they're asleep. That's in verse 14, 13. Or he says the phrase that they have fallen asleep. And that's verse 14. Now, what do we know common sense-wise when it comes to sleep? Sleep is a temporary condition. Sleep is not permanent. Sleep is a temporary state. And so what we're gonna look at when we're talking about this temporary condition, that because of Jesus Christ, those who have gone on, though their body is lifeless, The one sleeping doesn't cease to exist. Now, this is hard for our our mind to fathom because what we're gonna look at is the separation of spirit and body. What we're gonna look at is the difference here in, in that spirit realm of this world. It's hard for us to understand because we can't see it. And this is something that's hard to fathom and that's where we have to place our faith in the writings of scripture and Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 15:44 if there's a natural body there also has to be a spiritual body. If there's a natural body there has to be a spiritual body. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and I'm just going to read verses 1 through 5 and And we'll kind of speak to it. We're not going to walk through it verse for verse. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, Paul is going to talk about the spiritual body versus your physical body. Starting in verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in the house we groan, I'll go to that groaning in just a minute, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. Verse four, for indeed while we were in this tent, in our physical body, we groan, being burdened. Because we do not wanna be unclothed, but to be clothed so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Verse five, now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the spirit as a pledge. You see, several times there we see reference to the physical body. Some of your Bibles may have read tabernacle, but mine reads tent. A lot of versions read tent. And I believe tent is, is great because it, we all know in our mind what we think of as a tent. If you've ever slept in one, you know how temporary those suckers are. You let a good rainstorm come and it's a disaster. But this tent, this physical body, does not last forever. Your physical body, right where you sit, no matter how good a shape you think you are in, it's wearing out. It doesn't matter how much you work out. It doesn't matter how well you eat. It doesn't matter how much you sleep, but your body is wearing out. And guess how much control you have over that? Pfft. None. Your tent is going to decay. Your tent is decaying. I remember as a kid, I would be hanging around my dad and my dad would go to, he would drop something on the floor and he would literally bend over and it was that, and I remember as a 25-year-old, I was going, what a loser. He is so out of shape. That is pathetic. And now, I sit in my recliner in the mornings and I bend over to tie my shoes. And you guessed it, it is just this. Y'all know, right? And then not to mention, now we gotta get up from this mess. Then it's kind of, we don't stand up anymore. We just sort of roll over and it's oh, yeah. Because that tent is wearing out and I'll get up and I go, oh God, I am my dad. I am pathetic. This is horrible. We moan and we groan because this body is wearing out. I used to bound up steps. Now our offices are over here on the third floor of this building. And I remember I walked to Jared and Greg the other day to talk to him, and I stood at the door and I was going, hey, um... And you know, you try to act cool and try to act like you're not out of breath and that just makes you more out of breath and then you start seeing stars. I'm going, oh my God, this is horrible because our bodies are decaying. This tent is temporary and there's nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing. Sure, we can take care of ourselves. But at the end of the day, our body is going to be worn out. But when Christ died, when we placed our faith in his finished work, just as we read in 2 Corinthians 5, 5, that we were given a spirit. We were given the spirit of God. And can I tell you, that is where we get this talk of eternal life that your eternal life has nothing to do with your physical body. That spirit is planted inside of you. And we read about that groaning in 2 Corinthians five. That's what it's talking about. The spirit of God inside us is groaning to go home. The spirit of God is groaning for us to be in communion with him for eternity. And that is the difference in our body and our spirit. And this is where we hear of this everlasting life. John 3:16, we all know that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but what? Have everlasting life. John 6:47, truly I say to you, for he who believes in me has eternal life. 1 John 5, 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, there's a big misconception that we've gotta make sure that we're careful of, of when it comes to speaking of eternal life because there's a lot of opinions out there that believe that eternal life begins once you die. Can I tell you the day you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the day that the spirit of God took residence in you, that was when eternal life began. You came alive in Christ and there is no turning back. You have been made alive because of his work, not because of your work. So eternal life doesn't begin at death. Eternal life begins when you are born again by the grace of God. That is eternal life. So that if you've been saved by the grace of God, have courage today. You were walking in eternal life. Yes, your tent is going to collapse, but the spirit living in you lives forever because it's the spirit of God. And this is our hope. This is the reason Paul can say with all confidence to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I know there's a lot of you here today that you've, you've lost loved ones. And there's probably many of you that maybe have even shed tears today because the loss of that loved one. Can I tell you it's as simple as their tent got worn out. But because of their physical death, they never cease to exist because the spirit living in them is in communion with their heavenly father right now. That is our hope. That is our promise. And that's what Paul is wanting these new believers to understand. He's saying, look, I want you to have hope today because they're not gonna miss out on anything. Matter of fact, we're the ones missing out. We're still stuck here in this mess. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But our hope is not found here. Our hope is found because Jesus Christ has given us eternal life. Now, I want us to look at the order of these events, if you would. I want to be careful how we say that because. Again, there's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of speculation, but here's what I want you to leave with today. Don't get caught up in the details. You may or may not agree with what I'm going to say, but the reality is, is the one thing that we can all leave here with an agreement on is Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Look at verse 16 of chapter four, 1 Thessalonians for the Lord himself will descend. We could just stop right there. Don't even worry about the rest of it. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now there's a lot of different opinions. There's a lot of different perspectives. Even when we talk about this sound, Some scholars believe that it's gonna be three distinct sounds. Some scholars believe that this was three attempts trying to define what it was gonna sound like, that there's gonna be a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God. Here's what I know. Does it really matter if it's three distinct or if this is three ways? But the reality is, is there's one day coming a day that there's gonna be a sound, that there is gonna be no mistaking what it is. You can look on the internet and you can see people type these things out and they'll say, hey, did you happen to hear that boom today? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, transformer blew up. Did anybody feel the earth shake today at my house? It was shaking. Then people, no, I didn't feel this. No, I didn't see that. No, I didn't hear this. There's coming a day that there's going to be people that are not going to say, did you hear this? Because I believe in that moment that on the face of this earth, when the eastern sky parts and Jesus steps out, that there's going to be no mistaking what that sound is. And the reality is, is we're not going to care if it's three distinct sounds or if it's three ways to describe it. We're not going to be arguing, hey, that was a trumpet. No, it wasn't. That was the shout of the archangel. We're not going to care. Because there's gonna be something so marvelous that day that we can't comprehend. And we're gonna say, you know what, I know exactly why Paul had a hard time. Because I don't even know what it meant, but I just know that it was Jesus. And that it is Jesus. But you know the beauty of it is, is any time in the Old Testament, if this right here don't make you wanna run through a wall, I don't know what will. But any time that a trumpet was represented or sounded in the Old Testament, do you know what it stood for? It was a calling to assemble and to be set in motion. (laughs) I don't think y'all get that. That's like calling an army together and say, let's go to war. That's the family of God gathering together to go home, to be with the Lord. Who cares if it's three sounds? I just know it's going to be something special. I know it's going to be something that we cannot fathom. But as we get ready to kind of wind this down, I want to, I say, wind it down. We may be here another 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I don't know. I want to talk about something that's mind blowing. Something I don't know that we can fully comprehend. I don't know that we can even visualize what this moment is going to look like. But be rest assured it's gonna happen. When all of this sound happens, when the eastern sky parts and Jesus steps out, maybe today you're grieving at the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're grieving because of their absence Look at what verse 14 says. For we, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, listen, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. The loved one that you grieve over, there's coming a day that our Savior's return It says he's bringing them with him. He's bringing them with him. And then what we read through the rest of verse 15 is when Jesus brings them with him, we read verse 15, it says, For this way we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep? Now here we step into a whole nother world, again, of, of making sure that we've got this order of events right. There's a lot of arguments around of the way in which this order of events will happen. I can tell you that I've been on my face praying and trying to ask God to make this as clear, as mud to me as He can. And so I'm going to share with you kind of what God has laid on my heart, but here's what I want you to understand. You may disagree. But you know what? He's still coming back. It is what it is, right? So the way this reads, we've all kind of clung to that verse where it says, the dead in Christ shall rise what? First. And we will not precede them. And so what we see is this. While there's a lot of different perspectives Those who have fallen asleep, yes, that's referring to the ones who have gone on. But as we are still here on this earth, there's going to be this unmistakable sound. There's going to be this unmistakable sight. And in that moment, what we are going to get to witness is the reuniting of the spirit and body. We're going to get to see the reuniting of our loved one's spirit coming in to resurrect their bodies from the grave. And we're going to see that physical body resurrected with their spirit. And they're going to have that resurrected body because you know all through the scripture, when we read about the resurrection, that is the physical coming back to life. The spirit isn't resurrected because there is nothing, there's no way to resurrect a spirit if it's everlasting, if it's eternal life. And so what we will see, what we will witness is the spirit of God, the spirit of your loved ones coming and reuniting with that physical body. And here's the reality. I don't have a clue what it's gonna look like. But I believe that we're all gonna be standing there going, All the while Jesus Christ is there. Can you fathom? Can you fathom? I can't either. And I don't really care about all the details because I believe with everything in me when we are so enthralled by what's going on, we're not going to be bickering about, well now, they they got to go first. <laughs> now we just got to get in line because according to that it says we got to get behind them and they go first. Here's what I believe, because we've heard it taught so many times that the moment he returns, we will be caught up immediately But I believe with everything in me that as a testimony of who God is, I believe with everything in me, we will be witnesses as to watch this interaction between the spirit and the body, and we will be absolutely blown away. And then as soon as that resurrected body is coming, look at what it says. It says in verse 17, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up what? Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Can you imagine? Not only will you approach the throne of our Savior, but I'm gonna get to do it with my dad. I'm gonna get to do it with the ones that aren't here anymore. Because it says, according to the scripture, that we're caught up together We're caught up as a family. And guess what? All that bitterness and anger that you might have for that loved one, guess what? It's gone because now we're created the way the garden was, in perfect harmony with one another and the Father. We're caught up together. The past is the past. But now in our new resurrected bodies, in their new resurrected bodies, we are caught up together to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Paul is telling them, look, you got hope. And they have hope. But that hope is in Christ, in Christ alone. But you know, got to be very careful that we don't make that day about our loved one. While yes, that's overwhelming, the reality is is the Savior is the one that we're being caught up to. And while we love our loved ones, yes, we love them I believe with everything in me, when we see the nail-scarred hands of our Savior and we see him welcoming us into his presence once and for all, I believe that's where our focus will be. Because it doesn't matter how good of a relationship you've had with those who've gone on before you, can I tell you, they don't have the power to save you. And the same as when we talk about heaven, we always get caught up in talking about the streets of gold and the pearly gates. You know what makes heaven heaven? It ain't no streets of gold. It ain't no pearly gates. What makes heaven heaven is the presence of our Savior is there. And on the flip side of that, you know what makes hell hell? It's not the flames. It's not the burning and the gnashing of teeth, but what makes hell hell is the absence of Jesus. It's that simple. Because we're gonna know that's what's missing, not we. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those who have died apart from Christ will know that the absence of Jesus is why it is what it is. So, the hope that we have today is in Christ and Christ alone. And so, there's no, no doubt in my mind that there's someone here today that doesn't have hope because you've never placed your faith in this because it sounds too far fetched. It sounds too just unbelievable. Can I tell you? It's going to be unbelievable. And if I had any ability in me to beg you, to plead with you, to trust this plan, I would. But that's something that only the Spirit of God can do. And if right now you know that if all of a sudden we heard some commotion, whether it was three sounds or three ways to describe it, there's gonna be no mistaking of what it is and I'm not trying to scare anyone, but when you hear it, will you say, oh no? Or will you say, praise God? It's one or the other. It's one or the other. And so in just a moment, we're gonna give an opportunity to, for you to respond to that. And maybe even right now where you're at, you go ahead and have a conversation with God. You don't have to wait till a response, till an invitation is open because if the Spirit of God is meeting you right where you're at, I encourage you to respond to that. Right where you are. But now for the church. John 14, three. I want you to stand to your feet. And somebody here today needs to be reminded of this promise. And so I think it's gonna be on the screen, John 14, three, if you've got your Bible. I want us to read this together. If you're discouraged today, if you're grieving of a loved one, if you're just discouraged in the state of our world right now, Let's read 14:3 together. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. That's not Brian's opinion. That's a promise from our Savior on high. He's gone. And right now, as you're sitting here, he's preparing a place for you. He's actively doing that right now in this moment. But guess what? What we cling to, what we hold on to, he said, if I do all of these things, I will come again. I will come again. And so maybe this morning, you just simply need to respond by praising God for who he is. And if we can get a glimpse of what this day is gonna look like when we get to the last verse of this song in just a moment, I don't know how we're gonna sit still because this is our hope. But I just pray this morning, I really don't know what the response is about. Maybe you need to be comforted because you are lost a loved one Just cling to the word of God. Cling to these promises. If you've never been saved, if you're here this morning and you have no hope, call on the name of the Lord. He is your hope.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your net steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next time.